to the Purple Theory Podcast. My name is Grant McGalliard. I have alongside me my host, Parker Fleming. Parker, been a long time, man. Uh, how are you doing? I'm doing great. It's been too long. I thought about this, man. Like the last time we podcasted, who who know, who knows? I honestly don't even remember. We <laughs> talked about bowl games. It was before Christmas. Yeah, it, I think it was two weeks um, before 2022 started. It was just before bowl season. And uh, a lot of things have changed. Um, a lot of craps happened. Georgia won a national championship. I didn't think that was possible. Um, yeah, it, it, it's been a long time. Yeah, Georgia did win a national championship despite having one of the worst quarterbacks to, to okay, win hold on. Okay, okay. in history. Can I interrupt you there? Stetson Bennett is unfairly maligned. I, I don't think he's... No, no, no. Stetson Bennett is unfairly propped up. No, no. And I, it no. is the duty of every red-blooded American to make sure that he is adequately maligned. I am adequately maligning Stetson Bennett. Totally disagree. I'm in the if Stetson you look Bennett at those camp. two throws, he had two throws that mattered in that game, and one of them was Grant a a a a, a corner route that ninety percent of quarterbacks in America would have hit in stride, and that would have been a touchdown on that play. And then the other one was a ball in the end zone that was a closed eyes hail married that Adonai Mitchell reached over the Alabama defender and pulled back over the Alabama defender. Both of those involved. Um, incredible catches, and the first one was an awful throw. I'm, I, I will, I'll die on this hill. Stetson Bennett is a good quarterback, and people that were concerned about uh, Georgia's ability to score against Alabama were un, uh, incorrect, is what they were. No, no one was worried about Georgia's ability to score against Alabama. Everyone was worried about Georgia's defense actually playing a living, breathing offense. And it turns out Alabama was the hospital ward. Well, that's a, yeah, they didn't so, fa- so they didn't face a living, breathing that's offense. That's a different so that, question yeah, entirely. They fair. didn't win that game because of Stetson Bennett. They won that game because Javison Williams, because Bryce Bryce Young underthrew Javison Williams. Yes, and then because Alabama's tight ends don't know how to catch the ball. Yeah. Stetson Bennett's a good quarterback, and if he, and if he would like to play for the Houston Texans, um, there is a spot on the roster. Parker, uh, we have banter. Can I interest you in yes. Davis Mills? No, you can't. I, no, and you can't interest me in Lovey Smith either. <laughs> neither here nor there. Um, <laughs> Parker, we have banter on the agenda before we get to the thing. Uh, and I think what we have oh to do God. is banter about Brian Harson Because Auburn... <laughs> is in a state of distress. We're recording this on Wednesday, February the 9th. And as we record, Brian Harson is still the coach at Auburn, but it may just be because he's in Mexico. So, Parker, can you give me <laughs> a rundown? There's an SEC meeting tomorrow. No one knows what's happening. This is like a situation where an employee says, you can't fire me, I quit. And then an employer says, you can't quit. We fire you. I don't even know. Um, fortunately, uh, I have a group chat with a couple of high school friends and they all are, are, you know, they have kids and real jobs and stuff. And they're like, hey, what the heck's going on with this Brian Harson thing? And I was like, okay, I'm going to go make a beer run and I'm just going to send you a, a voicemail, like a voice text yeah. and explain all this. So I've done this tonight and, I, and I've refound, uh, re- refined this a little bit. Effectually, what like... Uh, Effectively, what happened here is that last year, there was a large minority group of Auburn uh, boosters, as in they they didn't represent the entire group of Auburn Mm -hmm. boosters, but they were a solid group. 
and they were loud. They kind of drove the fire Gus Malzahn train. And their agenda was to get Kevin Steele, the defensive coordinator at the time, to be installed as the head coach because they felt like the offense had run its course. Gus, they knew what Gus was. They didn't really like Gus. They played a power card. They got enough people to agree with him that they should fire Gus, but then they didn't have the votes or the sway to hire Kevin Steele. And so Brent Venables interviewed for the job and said, nope, you're crazy. Billy Napier interviewed for the job and said, nope, you can't give me enough to win here. Like, I, I don't know what you expect out of me. And so both of them said no. They end up hiring Harson at the, like the last minute, like 11th hour, kind of out of nowhere. He's been around. He's been at Texas. He's been in the Southeast. It's not crazy, but like Boise State head coach to Auburn seems pretty crazy. Granted, Auburn hired Gene Chizik. So crazy for Auburn is, is a little bit different. Yeah, and just hopping in here to say Harson is not a SEC guy. Like he played college football at Boise State. I don't remember what state he's from, but he's he's a Northwestern dude. He does not have the sort of Southeastern Conference um, background that you would expect. I, I don't know that he has explicit SEC ties. I know that he was at Texas for a while. He was. And I know that he but, has. I mean, yeah. I, I guess that's. I guess Texas is technically SEC now. But uh, yeah, all, he's, the, all that to yeah. say, he it was a weird hire. Yeah, it was for like, sure. oh, this is kind of out of nowhere. Good he's, coach, he's been but successful there. not a fit. Yeah, yeah, and so there are some qualms. I think that there, like one one big tell was that a bunch of Boise State fans were like, hell yeah, we're free mm. um, when when Harson left, which is never a good thing. No. And so that that group that wanted Kevin Steele didn't want Harson. And then Harson goes and loses his last five games and then finishes 18th in recruiting. Grant, if TCU finished 18th in recruiting, I think we would be having a Bacchanalia. I think we'd be roasting a goat and drinking wine. <laughs> I'd, be, right? I'd be recording this podcast with my shirt off. Yes. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. What's, what's the problem with being 18th in recruiting if you're in the SEC West? Is because that there are five teams ahead of you. In your own, yeah. <laughs> you're seventh in your own division. That's bad. And so that happens. They lose their last five games. They lose a game to Houston that's pretty embarrassing. Houston's a good team, but still, that's kind of embarrassing um, in the bowl game. And this group of people already doesn't like him. And so they kind of have the votes now, given the way the end of the season went and their recruiting went. Brian Harson goes on vacation, scheduled vacation, Thursday to Thursday after, after signing day. Signing day is on Wednesday. He goes on Thursday. And... Um, from the from from what I'm reading on this situation, during that time, some Auburn boosters made some allegations, mm -hmm. and I don't want to dignify those allegations except to say that they were impropriety um, in all facets of the game. They were um, <clears throat> on a scale of one to less miles. They were like a nine. Right, I think that's fair to say. Yeah, and I think... The allegations, not what actually happened. No, no, no. And so that's the thing is that I think the allegations... I don't know as much as you do. It seems like they were trying to find allegations to take it from a 6 to a 9. Or a 5 have, to a have 9. You, um, that was an unfortunate It really was. Have you it heard the phrase... Really have you heard the phrase, throwing shit at the wall and yes, hoping it sticks? I have, yeah. I think that, that, that that's kind of what happened. Um because, again, we've, we've talked about this with Tom Herman, and this is the worst thing I've ever said, and I don't actually advocate this, but I'm saying, if you pay a buyout for a coach, you're a sucker, right? Yeah. Because all you need is a compromising photo. Yep. 
right? Yep. And again, that's awful. I don't advocate that. No, I'm saying, but you're right. This is a yeah. business world that is terrible. And um, I thought, I think that a, a minority of Auburn boosters overplayed their hands. That that became demonstrably false pretty quickly and, and, and gave him a lot of um, questions, not questions, ammunition to say, hey, this was character assassination. This is just nonsense. The flip side of this, uh, maybe not the flip side, the undercurrent of this is that Brian Harson was notoriously unvaccinated, and I I have no I'm making no comment no, me neither. on that, the political economy of that situation in any way, shape, or form. But I'm saying that was a news item, and they were prepared to fire him on December second, and then the 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 deadline got extended. Yeah, um, like a Nick Rolovich situation, yeah. and so there's already some ill will there. So they thought let's just throw a scandal at him. And and Harson, I, I I think maybe to his credit, said, "No, you're gonna pay me. I'm not gonna oh, step down. Yeah. I have an 18 million dollar buyout." Um, and so all all of that to say, why this is so interesting now? He's been on vacation in Mexico since last Thursday. This whole thing has broken since then. Uh, it is currently February the 9th. Mm-hmm. I think all of you will hear this on February the 10th. On February the 8th, Auburn enacted. Thank you. That's what I was going to bring up. Policy. Yep. That says that all employees have to cooperate in investigations. <laughs> and evidently, Brian Harson has not been checking his email on vacation. And so Auburn's going to fire him. Like, there's yeah. no you, world you, where he's still so, so that's the thing is, is Brian Harson may have done nothing wrong other than be kind of standoffish and not play the. Typical politics expected of an SEC coach. And he didn't live up to expectations in his first season, and he had a bad recruiting class. I'm not saying that's not reason to preemptively fire a coach. But... No, no. But after one year, and he was hired late, and... Yeah, There's a level of crazy... So, okay, if the allegations hadn't happened, and they just fired Brian Harson, you'd be like, okay... Auburn SEC team, they want to compete. Like, I think that was a little rash, but whatever. But the way they've gone about this has been like the most conspiracy theory, <laughs> right? That's the tinfoil thing. hat wearing bullshit. Like, that's what I'm trying to say. Is together, like, Auburn, if you want to have like football reasons or hey, he doesn't fit with the program, that's fine. But if you're in Puerto Vallarta and you're saying, hey, look, like I- I'm sipping a margarita, I'm looking at the orcas, you know, off the beach. I don't know if killer whales migrate to Mexico at this time of year. I don't know. But um, I'm not checking my email either. And then all of a sudden, I'm the subject of a university investigation, of a very dubious claim um, that seems to have been made up by some boosters. And now I have to like go defend my job status. It's a wild scene, man. Auburn really does go out of its way to create circus atmospheres at every turn this is texas levels of crazy like one i want to i want to emphasize i empathize with an employee who has regularly scheduled pto who says nope don't talk no oh absolutely i I, I can tell you this auburn very clearly needs a a, a jodon baker yes jodon baker played sheriff buford pusser in walking tall and he had grit he had this two by four that he put a handle mm-hmm. on and he was the sheriff and he would just go beat hell out of people. And Auburn needs, Auburn needs a Jodon Baker to just be like, dude, 
We want to win football games. We have to stop this nonsense. I've talked about that with Texas forever of like, Texas needs someone to come in and say, shut up and let me win football games and we'll figure all that crap out. Yeah. And 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 maybe they have it now. I don't know. We can be an open question. But like Auburn very clearly needs someone to come in and crack skulls and get people online. Yeah. There's a term I'm not going to use on this podcast, um, but they need someone who has, um, well, I'll, I'll, I'll initialize it and you can figure it out. Uh, uh, they need a big SD to come in and say, listen, like we're going to do things our way and you're just going to have to deal with it. Uh, I under like, like some an AD needs to sit down with some of these morons at a Denny's be like, look, man, I know you gave Cam Newton $500. We gave him like $250,000 a year. So you're insignificant. Yeah. Shut up. Yeah. Like that's, that's what needs to happen. Yes, absolutely. Um, Anyway, this is wild because we have the backdrop of Les Miles. Yep. We have the backdrop of Ed Orgeron agreeing to retire. We have the backdrop of um, Tennessee with Jeremy Pruitt mm-hmm. kind of uh, drumming up some NCAA violations. I, I, I think that the, the era of uh, the bubble of coach buyouts might be popping because some oh. of these teams realize they can come up with these reasons to fire people with cause and not have to pay these buyouts. And that's going to get ugly real I, quick. I, so it is ugly. It is it's ugly. ugly I, I, I will push back a little bit just because of, I think Auburn is currently paying at least three coaches buyouts right now. Um, offensive coordinators. No, they're paying Gus. They're paying Gus. I think there's some offensive no. coordinators they're paying. Maybe, but those are, those are small. And know, remember but... those buyouts count against earned income. It's like, if you take a job somewhere else, yeah, you don't get, which is why Tom Herman is working for the Chicago Bears for like six six dollars an hour because right. he's getting paid millions by Texas. Right yeah, now. yeah. I just, I, well, okay. We had this on. Take us out. No, of no, this. no, 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 yeah. no. So here, here's the easy transition. Oh, okay. Um, this is the the last part of banter uh, on the agenda. <clears throat> you mentioned Texas needing someone to uh, to step in. And kind of lay things down. Um, Texas has hired Gary Patterson. Parker, um, can I give a 30, 45 second thing about this? Do you mind? I don't even know if I'm going to say anything about this. No, that's fine. That's fine. I've seen seen 30, 30, 45 (laughs) seconds. Gary Patterson did a lot for TCU. Gary Patterson deserves his statue on TCU's campus. Gary Patterson taking the Texas job while he has the full right and the full um, reason to take any job that he wants. Him, Gary Patterson going to Texas is a real stab in the back, and I think it only occurs because Chris Del Conte is the athletic director there. And it, it sucks. It sucks major, and I hate it. And that is my take. I, 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 am, I am full... TCU fan pilled here. Uh, I, I hate the fact that he's with Texas. It makes me very mad, and it, it it angers me, Parker. That is my take. Yeah. So so one, there's an uh, an immense own in the fact that Texas's athletic program was in such shambles that they needed to hire TCU's athletic director away from them to come fix it. And then his grand solution to their football was, was actually we need TCU's coach, even if he's disgraced. So 
Can I stop you? It's, it's, okay, not, it, it's not even disgraced. It, he didn't have a scandal. He didn't have anything. It's that he he kind of tailed off at Grant, the end of his career. No, Gary no. Patterson accused an SMU player okay. of physically well, we, assaulting we can, Gary Keel. We, can we get had into that. video evidence that was not the case. He he doubled down on that. He 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 is okay. So don't drag insecure. don't drag me into this because I will I will. Yes, go ahead. Finish your finish your point. Gary Patterson should have been able, when 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 presented with the reality of the Kansas State game, and on the way home, going into Donati's office, he knew what was happening. There are reports. Uh, I'm not outing anybody. That's fine. It, people who were on the plane said that he and his wife very clearly knew that the time at TCU was over after the Kansas State game. He knew what he was walking into in that game, or it, it, after that game, into Donati's office. Um, it was not just Donati. It was people at a higher level of the university. And they were here to talk, how do we transition out of this? How do we honor you? And he flipped the bird and walked out. Uh, a man who should have looked at his 20-year career and said, you know what? I did amazing things. And the last couple of years, due to some quarterback issues and me me trusting some people I maybe I shouldn't have trusted to be uh, in charge of my offense... Um, those, the, that didn't work out. He should have looked at that and said, you know what? I've accomplished a lot. I'm, I, I'm really proud of what I've done. I'm going to retire. I'm going to walk away and I'm going to fade into obscurity. I'm going to be like Dick Bumpus. Nobody knows who I'm, nobody knows who I, know, I am. I, I know right? who like, Dick Bumpus is. They know the history of me. Yeah. No, I'm saying like, th- what's Dick Bumpus doing right now? Uh, I, I, I don't know. Gary Patterson had an opportunity presented to him to save face for this shitty season and to be the elder statesman of TCU football. And Grant, leave this in the podcast. Do not cut this. Gary Patterson looked and said, fuck you to ADs and to TCU leadership who were trying to help him. Yeah. Um, Gil, Gil Bratton had a, had a tweet where he said, TCU fans, now that Gary's pissing on your shoes, what are you going to do? And that's the absolute wrong attitude. Gary Patterson is pissing on his own shoes yeah. by going to Texas. He is revealing everything that people have thought about him for years, that he is insecure, that he that he cannot be proud of what he's done. Because again, he has accomplished so much. He is one of the best program builders in college football history. Yes. And he absolutely deserves that statue. And the fact that he is choosing voluntarily to take his personal life and his professional life down in flames like this is embarrassing. I, I I don't feel angry about Gary Patterson going to Texas. I feel I feel sad. I feel pity for Gary Patterson because in February of last year, a year ago, almost to the date, Gary Patterson on the phone told me, I don't think Stark Sark will stick a year. I'm not worried about him. I don't think Texas will be will be back under Sark. And now he is working for and with the man. That that shows me someone who is so insecure about himself that he that he is just trying to ride whatever tide of glory he can potentially find. And that's sad, Grant. That's hollow, and that's sad. Yeah. Do you want to talk about recruiting? No, I don't want to talk about recruiting. I keep talking about how Gary is a dick. So TCU... We should talk about recruiting. It's next on our agenda. TCU. Boy. Real dog shit recruiting class. Um, That is not to denigrate any... Okay, but it's a small... Grant, it's a small class. Grant, it's a small class. It's fine. It's a small class. It's fine. Is that supposed to make it better? (laughs) That is not not to denigrate (laughs) any recruit who signs for TCU. We we are happy to have you in the Horned Frog family. 
Parker, TCU signed. If you're recruiting, you're listening to this. First off, uh, you, you, go watch some film. If you're recruiting, you listen to this. <laughs> <laughs> Reprioritize what you're doing. Do uh, something else. Do with something your life, else in your life. Um, TCU has three four-star recruits. I wouldn't say any of them are at positions of need. Uh, Chance Biddle is a safety. He's a four-star, fourteenth uh, rank. Okay, safety. Well, we'll talk about that. We'll talk about why a safety might be super valuable. Sure, sure, sure. Um, here in a minute. Yeah, but yeah. But um, yeah. It it's DJ Allen's the only surprise, right? DJ yeah, Allen was sure. like flirting with Florida, and and we kept him. Yeah, but no, no, there were no recruiting surprises. I don't think. No. Absolutely not. I mean, and, and then even if you count the transfer portal, uh, you bring in the Arkansas running back, uh, Traylon Smith, okay. who I, I'm actually, about I'm actually happy Smith. about. I'm very happy about Traylon. Okay. But my friend, my friend Clark, uh, FCC Stat Cat, who just got a job with uh, on three, oh, really yeah. smart football mind there. Okay. He told me um, he is... Oh man, this 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 message is is very hard to um, interpret. So I'm doing this live. Okay, uh, Traylon Smith for Arkansas was fourth in in yards before contact average in the SEC, but he was bottom four in yards after contract in the SEC. He was bottom three in broken tackle rate and bottom three in in gumption conversion. And gumption conversion is like when you get hit behind the line. I'm and sorry. You like make something. I'm, I'm sorry. Is there a stat called gumption conversion? Yeah, that's a, that's a stat Clark tracks, and it's it's no, it's, I, it's actually pretty cool. I like it. It's I just saying, that, like, if you get hit yeah. behind the line, what do you do? Yeah, what do you do? Hot shot. Um, but look at uh, and and yeah. his first down and, and touchdown rate was below average in the SEC. Grant Traylon Smith lost his job to a freshman. Yeah, no, I I, I know, but I, I've talked to uh, uh, I want to a friend a, a mutual on Twitter, and he's a big Traylon Smith fan, big Arkansas guy. So yeah, like, y'all got a good one. Um, that's my analysis of Traylon Smith. Um, you you look at the outs: O'Shawn Mathis gone to Texas. Mikael Barkley uh, is in the portal. Uh, Tyler Guyton to Oklahoma. Mikael Barkley was hurt all the time. Know, that doesn't actually hurt. Tyler Guyton never really played, didn't develop. That okay. that, that doesn't hurt. O'Shawn Mathis hurts. But it, um, I don't know if this is a transition. I don't mean to make this. Transition. No, go ahead. Oshan Mathis doesn't fit in Gillespie's uh, defense. Right. So there's no spot for him. I know. So we'll get there in a minute. Um, I'm I'm just going down the okay. Going down the portal. Um, Imani Bailey comes in as a running back from uh, Louisiana, and uh, Alan Ali comes in as a uh, a, a guard, probably from uh, SMU. Uh, following Sonny Dykes. Okay. But notice what TCU has zero of though. What is that? TCU has zero blue chip yep. offensive or defensive lineman. Yep. Grant, Sonny Dykes in his entire head coaching career has one lineman who played for him that went to the NFL, and it was a player who he inherited at Cal. Sonny Dykes has never recruited a lineman who has gone to the NFL. <clears throat> that is very worrisome to me. It's very worrisome because even when TCU in the last five years has had pretty um, abysmal offensive lines, they've always had one standout. So that's Niang, uh, you know, Guys like that. Uh, I, I believe in Rashad Samples. I think he's a great recruiter. Um, but we will see if he can get the offensive lineman necessary to kind of make this offense hum. Um, Here's the thing. Do we, I mean, look at look at what SMU, okay. Go right. ahead. Don't be so negative. Parker. No, go ahead. Don't be so negative. No, finish your thought. Um, Grant, 
what is the world to a man who recruits five star wide receivers and 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 three star linemen? Um, what's a cane to a god? What's a god to a non believer? Exactly. Know? That's where it's going. This is going. Um, I understand TCU is going to get the ball ball out quick under Garrett Riley. Understand what they want to do. Understand that SMU has not had an excellent offensive line and they've they've had a decent offense. But we're not talking about being vaguely competitive in the AAC, which is what Sunny Dykes has done. We're talking about how do you win a Big 12? And and given the Big 12's perception as now being a non-power conference when Oklahoma and Texas leaves because all this media bullshit, how how are you going to stack up um, and win in a convincing way to to, to nationally compete? I, I, I'm worried about the offensive line pipeline. I'm worried about the defensive line pipeline. We lost Jared Anderson. That's only a positive upgrade, right? Yep. Like immediately yep. TC's offensive line gets better because of yep. that. Immediately TC's offensive line gets better because SMU SMU's offense last year, Garrett Riley was not, you know, keeping seven guys in and running play action. Like they were finding ways to get guys open without having to keep all those guys in. But I'm worried about the trenches. Because, oh, like Kari too. Coleman is shifting to linebacker yeah. because he doesn't fit in the three four and the three three. Like it's going to be a weird year. Man. It's going to be a it's really be weird, weird year. And again, you look at the recruiting class, and there's really no positions of need on the offense that they have filled. I mean, Parker, they had one offensive lineman in this recruiting class, a three star offensive tackle um, from Arlington Seguin. Actually, a high school I used to cover. Um, Six six seven and a half two eighty five. So he's got the body, but um, he could fill out. But that that is not good. Uh, no, they also didn't. They again, Allen Ali is the only uh, offensive lineman that transferred in. So they had two offensive linemen in this class. Um, looking ahead to twenty twenty three. Again, this is crediting twenty four seven sports here. Uh, it's not like they have any offensive linemen committed to TCU. It, it, it's the biggest position of need on the team. It has been for years and they apparently do not feel the need to address well, it. So I do. Okay. Let me, let me go white pill for a second. Let me go positive for a second. Alan Ali. I think he's a, I think he's very good. I, I just, I, I, yeah. The biggest deal there is I think with him on the interior, we can move Steve away from center. Okay. Because Steve sucks at center. Yeah, but he's good at guard. I think he is. Right, like, like I, yeah. I legitimately think that Steve Avila, um, Remington, Remington Watchlist, Steve <laughs> Avila, uh, TCU leading pressures allowed, Steve Avila, um, might not have the processing uh, no, on the offensive uh, line, and I'm, center I'm, requires a way. lot of processing. I wouldn't put it okay, that way. Well, I'm just saying. No, no, no. Okay, so yeah, you're right. No, that's a good check. Don't hear what I'm not saying. I think that Steve has some physical talents. I don't think they're well suited to center where you have to adjust a lot. I think that if, if Steve were able to shift a guard yeah. permanently or have two guards around. Okay. So yeah. this or is, even just be, have two, be more two like Steve. decent guards around him. Have yeah. two beating hearts around <laughs> right. him who aren't absolute right. morons. Yeah. Maybe he won't be falling down, chasing a guy like a, you know, what, right. what's it no. called? The Matador. He won't be doing the Matador. Yeah. Right. No, no. Uh, I mean, I, he's been surrounded by pretty much nothing for his entire tenure at center. That's fair. It's it's hard to evaluate people. Like, Obina Easy's probably going to go play in the NFL. And I, you're like, I'm okay, sure. Well, he... I mean, I, okay. Hopefully not for no, the Texans. Would you, be my gave, 
but yeah. You 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 give a lot of, but it's like, what can you do with this offensive line? Like, you have four, yeah. you have three to four guys who are playing who have no business being D one players. I, I, yeah. Yeah. Anyway, um, do you have any more comments on TCU's recruiting class, which again is like bottom half of the Big Twelve? Yeah. So I mean, it's it. You know, I care more about the four-year average than I do the one-year average. It's a new coach, so obviously that's going to have some issues. TCU is stacked on offense in terms of skill position, and I think their offensive their offensive weakness was their offensive line. And I think that keeping Kendra Miller, which was a question for a while yep. there, whether he was going to leave or not, and getting Burks in and having new or not Burks, sorry Smith, mm-hmm. Traylon Smith, mm-hmm. um, Traylon Burks is the amazing wide receiver who's going to the NFL. I would love for him to come to TCU. Um, that gives you a lot of fresh legs here, and and you bring in a little bit to the offensive line, which is your biggest weakness. Also, your offense is going to shift away from having to do long protections, yep. and so your time to throw is going to go way down. Maybe. Maybe there's some positivity here that the numbers don't capture. If you look at the average rating, TCU is at 0.8776, which is actually higher than their last year's average rating. Now, granted, I, I care more about the size of class than I do the, um, the average rating, but still, maybe there's some positivity there. And I, I really think that on the defensive side of things, you're bringing in a linebacker in Johnny Hodges who has some experience you're bringing in Mark Perry, a, a you know Colorado safety who was who was awful. Uh, sorry, Colorado was awful, but uh, yeah. a safety with some experience. You're bringing in Tarek Cooks, Cooks who was yeah. a four-star high school. And, and your big issue last year was kind of the back, the back five, if you will. It's not really a term. But back seven. I, I, I honestly, do think, but yeah. Well, well yeah. So and, and so bringing some reinforcements there with some experience, I think, is really really good. And potentially lends itself really well to kind of reshaping your defense. So maybe there's some things that the numbers aren't capturing here. But I, I think we should talk about the defense a little bit. And maybe that'll shed some light on why I'm a little bit higher on the recruiting rankings on the defensive side. Yeah, well, that's a great change, Jason Parker. Because we have not talked about TCU's new defensive scheme under Joe Gillespie. Um, Joe Gillespie was at Tulsa for the last three years. Um, he's been around, notably. He's worked under Art Bryles. We're not going to get into, I think, that moral uh, conundrum tonight. We've talked about it before on this podcast. But I think we do want to take a little bit of time to break down what Joe Gillespie is going to do uh, for TCU on the defensive end and what his scheme uh, shows. I will say before I throw it to you, Parker, our friend Cody Alexander uh, at the underscore coach underscore A has a great breakdown of uh, Tulsa's defense under Gillespie on YouTube. Go look it up. Um, but it's a three-three-five scheme. It has a lot of quirks, a lot of conundrums. Parker, what do you think about what Gillespie uh, will bring? Yeah, so so I think that um, I'm actually very excited. One, bless up for Coach A. Man, I would yes. be so much dumber about football if there weren't people like him. I think that um, uh, Billy Gillespie... Mm-mm. Nope. Texas, Texas A&M coach. That's the wrong guy. Joe Gillespie. Can I tell you, I, for some reason, I, I, I Googled Chad Gillespie, and I don't know why. <laughs> Joe Gillespie. Very much Joe. Go ahead. The the Gillespie triplets, Billy Joe and Chad. Chad TCU yes. guy, Joe. Um. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Well, look, folks, it, it, it's, it's, it's late on a Wednesday night. Um, yeah. 
Okay, wait. I feel like Billy Gillespie is coaching at a random ass place. He so Billy was at A and M. He was at Kentucky. Um, he coached ah. at, he coached at Ranger Junior College for a while. Um, he's at he's at Tarleton State now, and they're he, joining okay. Division One FCS. So that's yes, that's why good, I knew it in my head. Yes, a good like, friend of mine works at Tarleton. Um, yeah, good coach. Anyway, not, but also not Joe Gillespie. So. Not Joe Gillespie. Joe Gillespie was the coach at Tulsa. Their defense improved every year under him. They were they were pretty bad before. Um, Grant, I, I I think that his defense will be in many ways profoundly different than Gary Patterson's defense, but in many ways kind of similar. And I think the biggest similarity and the way to start, because um, you know, with personnel on my mind and me talking about TCU bringing in transfer linebackers and safeties. Um, the way his defense works, especially against the run, remember TCU's defense, all of you listening, you forgot TCU's defense against the run last year was historically bad, uh, 123rd in rushing EPA uh, allowed. Um, the, Gillespie's defense kind of runs this spill and kill uh, concept. And so what that means is you they, they, they run a 3-3-5, right? So they have three down linemen, three you know, designated linebackers and then five kind of flyover defenders. And uh, I, I'm co-opting that phrase flyover defenders from, from my friend Ian Boyd, who's done a lot of work on the Big 12 and has kind of talked about how the way that Big 12 defenses have evolved to Big 12 offenses has kind of set the tone for how other conferences um, attack uh, these Big 12 offenses. And, 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 and flyover just means, hey, we, we, we can't put you in a, uh, a specific position because we know that there's going to be a lot going on, but you're athletic and we're going to ask you to do a lot of things. Jalen Petrie for Baylor is a perfect example of a flyover defender. Yep. He can be in coverage. He can, he can rush the quarterback. He can play linebacker, um, all that. So TCU is going to need some of those guys coming forward. Um, but basically what the spill and kill does, especially against the run, right? We'll talk about the pass here in a second, but Gillespie's defense um, compared to Patterson's defense. So what Patterson's defense does with four down linemen, you fit the run a certain way, and then you have your interior linebackers kind of fill the unfilled holes and make a tackle inside, right? What Gillespie's defense does with this 3-3-5 uh, spill and kill is the nose tackle ties up the A-gaps. Yep. A-gaps, again, right by the centers, right? The right end, um, there, there's two different ends. One of them is kind of your more traditional kind of pass rushing end, and one of them is more more hefty, right? You're, you're, um, you're more tackle, right? And so that tackle uh, will kind of tie up that backside B-gap. Your rushing end will tie up that C-gap, kind of the outside, and push... Um, the, the the tackle and the extra blocker on the outside against in, uh, inside zone, which is the biggest thing mm-hmm. that, 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 you know, the Big 12 does. He'll kind of tie them up. And then you have the Mike and the Will linebackers filling in that backside B gap and that front side B gap, right? So your linebackers kind of smash that in. And so the hope there is that you create a lot of chaos and a lot of bodies in inside. And what happens is the running back bounces outside and then you have these two safeties, right? You have your um, your free, uh, you're, you're free and your boundary. Yes. Yeah. Well, you're weak. You're weak and you're free, right? You're weak and you're free safety. But boundary is it's yeah. You have your boundary and your and your play side safety. And those guys are supposed to make one on one tackles in space. Grant, 
that makes me so nervous because I think about Will Howard and I think about Garrett Green and I think about how TCU gave up just abysmal runs to bad players because they needed to make one-on-one players plays in space. But those are not in the A gap where the 425 says is we're going to make a tackle inside. The 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 Gillespie thing says we're going to clog the inside, make you go to the alley, and then we're going to have athletic players catch you in the alley. So I watched a ton of Gillespie. Um, and one of the games that I spent a ton of time on was the Ohio State game because they yep. were pretty disgusting yep. against Ohio State. Aside from like three three big runs, they, they were pretty annoying against Ohio State's run defense. But on those three runs, Grant, the players were in position every play. Mm-hmm. Just they didn't have the athletes at Tulsa to, to make these plays against Ohio State. So Ohio State's three big runs. I posted some screenshots on Twitter. You can go look at them. There, there are guys who should make the tackle and they're in position to make the tackle and they don't because they're less athletic than Travion Henderson, which, Grant, who among us is not less uh, athletic not than me. Travion Henderson? And that's kind of the long and short of it. Yeah, yeah well, I, I want to say one thing. I, I want to give credit to uh, the Daily Stampede, who uh, I think is a USF, I think SB Nation blog, but they had a great YouTube video about the Gillespie defense and they, basically they had a lot of cut-ups. And... Um, they showed a lot of plays Tulsa made against teams like UCF and teams like App State. Um, I think they had some Oklahoma State highlights in 2019. I think Gillespie's first year there. Um, where those some of those athletes made those plays in the backfield and the flats, things like that. Yeah, they didn't have the athletes at Tulsa, but they were in the position to make those sort of plays behind the line of scrimmage. Right. I, th- I think their red zone approach to the run fit, um, Gillespie's is super interesting because he – he is not afraid to bring a lot of pressure in the red zone and trust that sort of back five to make plays. And a three through five defense, I think the assumption sometimes is, hey, we're just going to rush three and drop eight in a third down situation because we have backers we trust and, and five defensive backs we trust. Dude, Gillespie very rarely brings three. He is always bringing a linebacker um, to sort of fill those gaps. And But I, not but not like... um. Okay, so sorry, I'm totally interrupting. No, 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 please. But so... Some of my least favorite TCU blitzes were like they had four guys and then Garrett Wallow was just kind of like wandering through the Yeah, hovering. Game. Yeah. But I feel like with the three down linemen and bringing a fourth, you really get some of these stunts that yeah. TCU hasn't seen that are entirely foreign. So like I, I like to think of TCU's fan base as a defensive minded fan base. One, because they're all terrible at evaluating offense. But two, because <laughs> Us included for the record. Garrett, but yeah, go ahead. Fake news. I'm great at evaluating offense. Um, but because TCU's, you know, Gary Patterson, speed baby, defensive, you know, defensive minded, this is going to be new and different um, in, in an almost shocking way. Because mm-hmm. the, the if you're watching the defense for TCU, if you're if you're a smart football fan and you're not only watching the ball, you're watching where's the space, where are the fits, where's the secondary, it's going to be a little weird because – they're going to so the important players in the four two five are kind of threefold, right? They are the defensive end who's playing horizontally. We talked about the frog stance with Coach Vass, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, you can go back and listen to that that podcast. And I wish we had recorded the you know hour and a half afterwards that he talked to us yes. as well. Yeah, yeah. we t- we turned the mic off with Vass, and he was like, "Okay, let me tell you all these things." I was like, "Oh, we should have put this on the podcast." But um, okay, so the the frog stance. 
the the middle linebacker because he's kind of he's kind of choosing where to fit the run, especially with this kind of split zone or duo or whatever you want to call it. Um, or and then uh, kind of your your strong safety who's going to fill in the Gillespie defense. The the most important people are going to be two of those five safeties who are filling in on that kind of outside the tackle gap yeah. because the whole point is that you have disruptive enough linemen and linebackers who fill the gap correctly enough that the running back bounces outside and then that guy makes the tackle in the alley. So there's going to be, there's going to, you're going to have to have two guys who can make these open space tackles. Yeah. And a lot of times they'll line up and Parker, correct me if I'm wrong, but I'm explaining this from the, the, the idiot perspective here, but you have three safeties here as you would in a Patterson offense, but, or sorry, Patterson defense, but in, in, in three, three, five, these safeties are, you have your center safety, you have two safeties on the hash. And in Gillespie, from what I've watched, those safeties on the hash and in the middle are a lot of times very far off the ball, 10 to 15 yards off the ball. Now, in a run fit, they'll creep up. But they kind of have to have the nose for, hey, okay, we're going to make a play here in the flats. We're not going to get them more than two or three yards downfield. They're crashing. I think a lot of the responsibility depends on those outside linebackers, not the middle, to sort of diagnose the play and not, you know, force them outside for sure. But also if they can make a tackle, make the tackle. Yeah. So, so, okay. I'm, I'm going to push back there and, and go ahead, please, please, please. This is a joined learning experience. And so I want to shout out Kevin at 11 or not Kevin. I'm the worst guy, Kyle, almost Kevin, Kyle at 11 warriors, the Ohio state blog. I I read the same piece. Yes. He has a very in-depth thing. And I talked to him a little bit. He was very gracious with his time. Um, and effectively, um, you know, what, what's going to happen is that the, the Sam linebacker. So the strong side Mm -hmm. is going to fill kind of that C gap on the outside. And a lot of times, Grant, that's going to be the, the H, the sniffer, the wham, whatever you want to call it, doing the kick out. And his job is to make contact with the tackle and with the wham and say, nope, you can't go here. Right. And saying like, nope, we're not blowing open a hole in the middle of our defense. We're going to keep this strong in the middle. The the weak side linebacker is going to be behind the end, not the tackle, right? There's a tackle, a nose, and an end. The end is going to go normally. The end is kind of kind of take that tackle outside. Mm-hmm. And the weak side outside linebacker is going to fill that B gap and so kind in, of create so, some So inside chaos. the defensive end and create the chaos there. Okay. Yes. Okay. So, and then the middle linebacker is taking whichever gap the nose tackle gotcha. doesn't fill depending on the call. And then the strong safety. So it's kind of like you have five guys sitting back. Yeah. And once they know it's a run, then it's, then it's, it's all, all, you know, all, all, all races straight ahead. And so the reason I'm worried about this Right, it's because you have that strong and that weak safety who are saying, "Oh, I need to do this," and then the free safety is hanging back, saying, "Where do I need to go?" Um, is again, again against Ohio State, Tulsa had some really good fits, and there was a guy in the alley to make the position, but it required that athleticism to take down Travion Henderson for this defense to work, or it was like a fifty-two yard, you know, okay, so yard touchdown. So, so this is earlier that I wanted to get to this point because I didn't want to talk about how this defense operates in the past. But I am very worried about, uh, oh, let's say TCU's defensive personnel in this game. I tried to do it. I actually tried to map who's going to play where, and I, I have no idea. So can I'm I, very nervous about that. 
we're I, I'm just I'm Parker. Here's what we're gonna do. I'm going to read you the safeties on TCU's roster for 2022. Okay. You okay. tell me who you want your three starting safeties to be. Okay. Okay. <clears throat> Abraham Kamara, Josh Foster, Darko uh, Perkins McAllister, Deshaun McCoon, Kevin Ward, Bud Clark, Nick Bradford, Carter Beer, Wes Smith, Davion Crawford, Chase Biddle. Okay. If things are going well, right, it's Bud Clark, McCoon, and Foster because they have the most experience. I, well, Bradford, I think, has more experience than uh, than Foster. Yeah, but Bradford had a bad year last year. I'm I'm out on well, I'm, yeah. I'm I'm back to agnostic on Bradford. I feel like we were very pro Bradford. We were coming into the 2021 season, and I've cooled on him a little bit. Okay, can I give you? Can I give so defensive backs listed are Mark Perry, Namdi Obiazor, and Luke Dobbs. Okay, fine. Corners. Boy, I, I really don't want to put myself in the... I mean, THT is back. That's great. Uh, Keon Stewart's back. Keontae Jenkins, Tony Wallace. But uh, Noah Daniels, I still think they play anywhere. But Can I ask I, you I, an I, extremely unfun question? Sure. Is THT worth a damn in run defense? Yeah. Well, I don't know, but he's good enough in pass that I don't care. Okay, that's fair. Yeah. That's, no, that's I, I, I mean, I, I don't, I don't know. Yeah. I, I think it's going to pass that he, he should. Start. I mean, he's obviously going to be, he's going to be field cornerback one. Like that's yeah, great. He, yeah. The big CB question one. at cornerback is, can Noah Daniels uh, structure his life in such a way that he can optimize his talent? Okay, I think it's a fair way to say that. Can I ask you a more pressing question? Yeah. Can you find three line defensive line? Yeah, no, no, <laughs> no, 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 not even that. Can you find three linebackers? <laughs> oh yes, like, absolutely. Oh no, Grant. I, oh, all off season. We're gonna talk about we're gonna talk about Shad Marshall and D don't, don't. as being Oh, I'm so into it. I've already sold myself on it. You can't talk me out of it. It's gonna be <laughs> D Winters at middle, Shad at strong, Marcel at weak. We're gonna run insane <laughs> pressures. I'm Carcon linebacker core is the thing I'm most excited about this year. I'm, I'm, no, Kari Coleman's going to go back to end. He's going to he's going to play uh, like please, because two I, weeks of spring ball. I, I, I was going to no, ask he's gonna you. He's going to play two weeks. I was going to ask you about the phrase Kari Coleman pass coverage and see what you thought about no. it. Bad. Feel bad. Um, Grant, gun to your head. Would you rather have Kari Coleman or Parker Workman in cast in pass coverage? The answer is you're already dead. They shot you because you couldn't answer the question. <laughs> Dude, okay. Hold on, hold on. I'm looking at something. TCU is one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight. Eight redshirt freshman linebackers. I've never heard of any of their names. Dominic Denuso is going to play linebacker this year. No, but can I interest you in. <laughs> I'm not going to call any people out. I'm, I'm sure they're good people. I, I anyway, so he, 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 here's the larger thing. I, I like Gillespie's scheme. I'm I'm worried about TCU being able to fill it with the proper personnel. Um, no, first year they don't have the personnel. Yeah, uh, like they don't have the personnel. I know. If, if it works, it's because Kari Coleman can 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 really develop as a a uh, an end, and we can figure out ways to get all three of the good linebackers uh, out there. 
But who, so the big thing, Grant, for this defense is going to be um, the, the the big re, the 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 the, the, the linchpin of this defense. In addition to the kind of the alley safeties, is and TCU has some experienced guys. That's fine. Is that disruptive nose tackle? Is a guy yeah. who can take the A gaps and say these are mine. Yep. TCU's interior defensive line has been so bad for yep. so long. I I don't know if they're going to have it. So no, I don't think I, they're going to have the. I, I really think I year. really think this is the year Terrell Cooper makes the leap, Parker. Dude, Terrell Cooper. I hope you're, dude. I hope you're bulking. Yeah, I want Terrell Cooper to be the look. I'll grab I'll grab the guards by the shoulder pads and fall down on the center every play. Yeah, man. Yeah, that's no, great. I'm fine with that. I, I mean, I, I yeah. Uh, that's the thing about Gillespie's defense. I, I, I think it really works. Um, Cody Alexander compared it to Iowa State's defense, um, favorably sort of a, a similar scheme. Can we talk about pass uh, pass defense a little bit? Just because, um, yeah. while I agree a large part of the reason that defense is or was successful at Tulsa is because they're able to get pressure. Uh, well, I, and I'm focusing on the run because TCU's run defense was so bad. Yeah, no, year, it, it was yeah, awful. Let's talk about yeah, no, for yeah. sure. And I mean, this point's all moot if TCU's corners can't cover their men um but in this defense so the safeties will start high a lot i mean it is a three high defense that doesn't necessarily mean they run cover three um but they'll they'll start pretty far off the line of scrimmage um a lot of the times what you'll see is really that center safety sort of drop back and those inner safeties on the hashes take the slot receivers and just kind of give them a little bit of cushion um it's a really interesting defense. I like how they run it, but it puts a lot of trust into the outside receivers because that inner safety will drop. And then if those hashes crash or sort of take them, you know, the responsibility on those soft zones low, uh, you're, you're going to run into a lot of one-on-one situations on the outside. And I, I'm worried about TCU's ability to sort of defend that situation. Yeah. So I think that's my, that's my one question with it. Um, that that's kind of pressing. The other question is, Grant, they run, they run a lot of Tampa two and sort Tampa of. two is kind of what we may, Well, if it quacks like Tampa two and it walks it's a like ba- Tampa two. I'm, I'm legitimately just quoting Cody here. It's a bastardized Tampa two. I think is the way he put it. Maybe. But yeah. But Tampa two is what we made fun of Texas for, for a very long For years. Time. Yes. Because yeah. Texas ran Tampa two when they had no business doing it. No. And that requires some athletes also requires cornerbacks who can blitz. Well, so, and so that's a think about TCU. I, I so I think the corners can blitz. I mean, I think No Daniels can blitz. I think Keon can blitz. I think THT can blitz. I just I, I don't want our number one corner blitzing, but I, I think they have that that um, that capability. Yeah. So and and that might be where some of those safeties who haven't played a ton come in valuable because they can you know they can move around and, and sure. do that. But that again, there's just going to be some new roles here that I think are different and we have to develop. Um, and so I, I'm not. I mean, obviously, Grant. I don't think the defense can be worse than it was this year in 2021. I don't think in 2022 the defense can be worse than it was. But the question is. And we'll transition into you know returning production and 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 SB plus here for a second. Can this defense be good enough to compete at the level that this offense deserves? So take us into that because I'm curious where you're going. 
Okay, so if I'm looking at uh, CFB graphs, CFB-graphs.com, and I look at TC... Who runs that website, by the way? I'm curious. I don't know, some jackass on Twitter. Right. Uh, so if I look at TCU, TCU's offense, fifth in EPA per play. Fifth. Last year? Uh, last year. 29th in rushing, well, sixth in passing. That can't be accurate because TCU didn't... TCU's quarterback was so bad last year. That can't be right. 116th in defensive EPA per play. Well, that, 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 can't, be, that can't be right because Gary Patterson is the defensive head coach. Tease's run defense last year was 123rd. Grant, would you like to hear some run defenses that were better than TCU last year? No, but tell me anyway. This is really fun. This is really fun. Uh, all right, so TCU. Uh, God, this is awesome. Uh, UMass, Missouri, Washington, who lost to Montana. Montana is an FCS school who lost in the first round of the playoffs. Charlotte, the 49ers, Nevada, Wolfpack, New Mexico State, where Jerry Kill is the head coach right now. Vanderbilt had a better run defense than TCU. And last but not least, UConn had a better run defense than TCU. Awesome. Well, we were in the stands and we, we, we watched Bijan Robinson. Um... No, we watched Casey Thompson. It wasn't even Bijan. It was Casey Thompson. Well, it was Bijan when they needed to stop Texas on third and six. But yes, fair, I understand. Fair. Okay, yeah. Uh, yeah, no, it, it was not good. Look, yeah, there's really nowhere, there's nowhere to go but up. What I'm worried about is to pass defense regressing because I, 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 I'm worried about TCU's back half thriving in the 3-3-5 system. That's not to say I don't believe yeah. in the system. I don't think the personnel of the system necessarily line up, and it may take a couple years for that to sort of merge together. I do... I do wonder. So again, we're going to see another transition, Grant. Yeah. We're going to see a transition from a defense where the coach tells you exactly what's happening every play and gives you a call and you have yep. to say, oh, okay, here's what's ha-, as opposed to a coach who gives you a set of rules and sets you up to, to follow those rules. Yeah. And so I think we're going to see maybe, maybe a less specific, but a more generally applicable defense. Which one of the, um, again, if you believe Gary Patterson, one of the issues last year was that the players knew what to do but weren't doing it. Like he was telling them what to do and they weren't doing it. I don't know how much I believe that, but I do think that talent might go a little further in an offense that isn't, or in a defense that isn't as um, reliant on a head coach at the last minute out of breath yelling you the plays. Right? Yeah, that makes sense. Parker... Uh, I could talk to you about this forever. I'm going to make a transition here in a little bit to some listener questions. But but what I wanted to do and kind of put you on the spot and also put myself on the spot. What is sort of the ex- – can you give me in whatever terms, whatever conditions, qualifications, statistics you want, what is your expectation for TCU's defense this year at this point? Um. I think so. Let me pull up TCU's schedule. Let me just remind okay. myself. Um, so Colorado. So again, which by the way, if, um, if you're listening actually, in Boulder, I will be in Colorado for that game. Um, so I'm very excited for that. Okay, we should talk. I know you're going with friends, but I'm going to go. No, we're we're going to meet up if you're going to be there. Um. Okay. So one, I don't think TCU will give up 200. Like, if TCU doesn't give up 200 rushing yards all season, 
I feel good about that. Okay. It's a good mark. Um, right? They yeah. gave up 200 and I think seven games last year. Pretty bad. Boy, that is, I mean, that is awful, Parker. It's not good. Um, I think that I looked this up and I, I, I tweeted it out so someone correct me. But I think Grant, since 2015, a Gary Patterson defense had given up 200 rushing yards like four times. Mm. And then in 2021, they gave it up six times, seven times. So, um, it's good yeah, benchmark. Real, real yeah. bad there. So, rushing defense, no 200 yard games. Um, if we look at last season, there were a couple games that spiraled out of control. Um, yes. SMU scored 42. Now, one of those came after um, uh, a fumble after a goal line stand. Yep. So I'm saying if TCU, TCU last year held, they gave up 30 to Cal, 30 to SMU, 30 to Texas, 30 to Texas Tech, 30 to Oklahoma, 30 to Kansas State, 30 to Bay, uh, 28 to Baylor. <laughs> Suck it. <laughs> um, 63 to Oklahoma State, 28 to Kansas, and then 48. So if, if, if TCU can hold five teams to 30 or fewer points that will be an improvement so five five teams to under 30 to 30 or fewer points and no teams rush for 200 yards that to me is improvement given the personnel transition that tc is going to undergo remind me again where tc was in a in epa on defense last year or epa per play whatever well, so, that was uh tcu's epa per play on Rushing defense. Rushing defense was, was 123rd. Okay. Their overall defense was 115th. Their passing was 95th. Okay. Top top 60? Is that too much to ask? I think so. Listen, I'm not, I'm not even going to go there with the personnel that we have because I hate to be a negative Nelly. This season soured me on a lot of TCU's personnel. Rutgers was the 60th team, Grant. Rutgers was number 60 in EPA defense. TCU well, top the Bay 60. 10 doesn't play offense, so that makes sense. Um, That's fair. I, <laughs> have you seen me? Um, this is so dumb. I'm sorry. You're making a real point. You know that song, Photograph by Nickelback? I'm sure I've brought this up on the podcast before. First off, I know the song, and I, I have no idea where you're going with this. So okay. There's this video that makes fun of it. Oh, look at this graph. Like, Yes. Yeah. No, no, no. It's like, look at this photograph. And it's like the, it's like this awkward high school, whatever. Yeah. And they, they say this line and I'll send you the link. I'll, I'll tweet it out so everyone can see it. Cause this is very funny. It's making fun of Nickelback. And it's like, um, I, I lettered in two sports, but Joey lettered in a lot of sports because he went to the poor school and it was easier to letter and stuff there. And it's to the tune of Nickelback. Anyway, Rutgers, Rutgers. It's easier to it's easier to letter in stuff because uh, Rutgers went to the poor. Conference. There has to be a better example for that. What you just gave. Anyway, my point was that if you are one of my favorites on TC's, Jesus Christ, if you are, were one of my favorites on TC's defense, you know who you are. I, I'm soured on the personnel, but if TC can be. Top 70 overall in EPA on defense, fine with it. Top 70. That's I'm the goal. I'm saying my claim is top 60, but yeah. I, no, I 70's below average. The offense, I think, I think, dude, if you could just, if you can just do two things on, on offense, two things, Grant. 
get Quentin Johnson the ball. Yeah. And design runs for Max Duggan, you're gonna be in the I top know. 50. And, like, and, and Duggan worst. will be healthy. Duggan will be healthy. Um, I'm excited to see what what uh, Dykes and and Garrett Riley can do. Um, Duggan gained Duggan gained 13 pounds this offseason last year. I hope good. he gains another 13. Me I want too. I want Max Tebow Duggan. That's what I want. <laughs> I want the chonkiest boy alive at my quarterback, Parker. I want, I want Max. I want multiple chins on the quarterback. <laughs> Parker, let's take some Twitter questions. We've uh, we got some good oh, ones. Oh God! Okay, okay. I'm gonna I'm gonna scroll through the trolls. Wait, wait, can here. I? Sorry, sorry. Can yeah, I no, say please, out loud? I'm sorry. I, I I meant to say this. So, returning production in SP Plus came out today. TCU is the best returning, highest returning production in the Big Twelve. Mm. Returning production only matters insofar as you have good players who are coming back, especially on offense. That's a good thing for TCU. TCU has an offense that has a dynamic ceiling. And I, I, I legitimately think that they have a better offensive mind coming in. And I like keeping Doug Meacham as the inside receivers coach. Yep. I, I really think that TCU on offense should be really special under Garrett Rowley and Sonny Dykes. Um, defense, certainly a different issue. And if we look at SP+, Plus, TCU is the one, two, three, projected to be the third best improver uh, in total SP plus this, so, this year. So that's so, the easy transition. So our, our uh, friend of the podcast, Yell MK, walk me through Bill's SP plus improvement score for the Frogs and why I should be skeptical as hell. Friend is a big word. Um, Associate of the podcast. I, no. I think that... MK is a friend. Go ahead. <laughs> MK is a friend. I, I, I owe him a beer. I think at least one beer. Um, okay, so the reasons that... I'm skeptical about it. One, I think that there's a there there is a bigger so transitioning to the air raid from something else is way easier than transitioning from the air raid to some to, to something else, right? Like no, you just repeated yourself. To you the, just repeated yourself. No, no, I said inverse. Transitioning to the air raid from a non-air raid offense uh-huh. is easier, way easier than transitioning from the air raid to a non-air okay. raid offense. I guarantee right? you. Okay, and, and, go ahead. The last couple of years, TCU, what we've been saying, don't half-ass the air raid, whole-ass the air raid. Yeah. TCU is going to whole-ass the air raid yeah. under Sonny Dykes and Garrett Riley. So the offense and the returning production on the offense, I think, actually tells a really good story of why TCU should be substantially better than they they, they were last year. On the flip side, there's kind of the, the, the skepticism comes in on the defense, right? Because I, I, I don't know... The run defense can't be as as bad or worse than it was in 2021. Mm-hmm. That just that objectively no. will not happen, yeah. right? But there are personnel mismatches on defense. There's a schematic change. And the Big 12 offense right now, I, I don't know that it's been as easy to solve, that it will be as easy to solve as it has been the last couple of years because there's such a heterogeneity of style, diversity of style, right? And so I think that what SP Plus is doing is saying the offense will be about the same and the defense will be better. And I I, I don't know that I trust that, but I think the reason that, you know, you can discount that SP plus a couple points, but the reality is I think the offense will be substantially better than it was last year, just given the schematic change and given kind of the fit. And the defense might be a little bit, um, a little bit better, but not like substantially better. 
And so I, I think that Bill's numbers really discount TCU because they lost Zach Evans. Mm-hmm. And as I've been saying since day one, Grant, as I've been saying since May of 2020, a five-star running back doesn't fix all your problems, right? Like right. losing him also doesn't ruin all your problems, right? No. Like Kendra Miller led the Big 12 in yards after contact last year. He's a fine running back. And TCU is going to pass the ball way more. They've got a tight end who has a pulse and, and they'll be able to use some of these weird sets and everything. So I think that we should expect a dramatic step forward for TCU's offense and not being a dead zombie for TCU's defense. I'm skeptical about TCU being first in returning production because again, fit matters. And I don't think that the defense, um, the defensive returning production statistics necessarily encapsulate kind of that fit problem. Yep. But on the offensive side of things, I think they'll take a step forward. So I, I, I'm expecting a Texas Tech kind of season for TCU. That is a that is damning with faint praise, but uh, you will yeah. take it. Yeah, no, it is. I, I know what I said. Okay, Parker, here's what I'm going to do. We're going to do 30 seconds each on these questions. Okay? Okay. All right. I have the questions pulled up. You ready? So enemy of the podcast, Colin Post. Thoughts on TCU basketball. And we got something else on this as well. I'll, if Colin was taller, he would be playing basketball and not writing about basketball. That's all I, I will give you, <laughs> Christ, I will give you my, uh, <laughs> I can do this in 10 seconds. Until we fire Jamie Dixon, I don't care about TCU basketball. Uh, do you have thoughts? Okay, so here, here's the thing. I'm going longer than 30 seconds. You can't stop me. This is my podcast. Um, <laughs> okay, TCU is 16 and 5. TCU is the lowest ranked Ken Palm 16 win team uh, in the Power Five. Power Five doesn't exist in basketball, but in terms of pure institutions, the Power Five conferences, TCU should be better. Um, TCU loses inexplicable games. They blew the Oklahoma State game. They got embarrassed by Texas. They lost a they lost to a Kansas State team they had no business losing to. They lost to Santa Clara. Here's the thing: Jamie Dixon is going to play transfer roulette for the rest of his career because Jamie Dixon's motivating factor is what is Jamie Dixon's legacy, and his legacy is not build the TCU basketball program into a sustainable developmental program. His, his legacy is how many banners can I get for getting to the tournament? I, I really think that Trent Johnson deserved another year. Jamie Dixon won the NIT with Trent Johnson's team. And I think that Dixon has underwhelmed every, uh, every opportunity he's had. Every big win that they've had, there's been an asterisk on. And I, I, I really just, uh, again, I don't trust Jamie Dixon farther than I can throw him. Um, and I'm really strong. I can throw him really far, but still, I, I, I mean, the only pushback will give you there. The only pushback will give is that Jamie Dixon is an upgrade from Trent Johnson. Um, I don't know that. That's, no, no, no. It, it is. It is. You didn't cover. In a recruiting you didn't cover sense, Trent. yes. Okay. No. No. Sure. No. no. In but, a recruiting no, sense, Parker. Parker. I covered Trent Johnson basketball. It was the slowest, most regressive, most like not. It was awful to watch, and I I hated it. It was not good basketball. My favorite, my favorite Trent Johnson memory is when they beat Kansas because Kansas had food poisoning. Yes. in what two thousand two thousand thirteen? It was two thousand twelve. Twelve or, or maybe yeah, winter twenty. It was before I got there. No, it was it was twelve thirteen season. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So yeah, it was yeah. thirteen was the spring, and um, one I I went to RUF in college, right? And it was a Wednesday yeah, night basketball game. Sure. Uh, and RUF is like student ministry. And 
the RUF pastor was like, guys, don't check your phones. Like, we need to be here or whatever. And we were like, no, no, no. We're TCU's beating, beating Kansas. Kansas. Yeah. We're going we're gonna to go to this game. So we, like, left, whatever, and it's great. And and we went, and, and we stormed the court, and that's great, because we beat Kansas, and we were abysmal. And one of my friends went and tried to hug Trent Johnson, and Trent Johnson went full, like, offensive lineman, extend the arms, knocked this kid to the ground, and said, I'm not that excited, son. My favorite Trent Johnson memory is when I was a freshman covering him. They beat some crap team at, uh, at what was the DMC at the time. And uh, we were in the press room afterwards, and uh, he, I asked him some question uh, about, you know, I think it was like gaining momentum or something. And he goes, he went around the room and he goes, do you think we played well? Do you think we played well? Do you think we played well? And he pointed at me. I was like, yeah, I, I mean, y'all won. He goes, we didn't play well. I was like, all right, man. Well, cool. We all are going to be 12 and 20 by the end of the season. So I'm just trying to get some, some positivity. Going. You're just like, dude, um, I need a quote for two seasons. Yeah, I, I'm on, 18. Please don't punch me. Here. Um, here's a question I, I might go long on. This is from uh, our friend Scott Wildcat. What's your favorite type of mustard? So I am a spicy brown mustard person. I, I, I don't want it too grainy. Um. I want it smooth, almost like the consistency of French is yellow, but a spicy brown is the pinnacle of mustard. I love Dijon. Um, I, I can I can hang with you know regular sort of ballpark yellow. Totally fine with that. I, I celebrate mustard in all of its forms, but spicy brown is to me the pinnacle of mustard. All I can think about <laughs> is Billy Bob Thornton in Sling Blade going French fried potatoes. <laughs> From our friend. Um, Go ahead. No, no. What's your favorite I, mustard? I like I like grainy. I like grainy mustard. I like a good. I like a good green. I like to. I like it to be uh, hearty. Okay. And so um, to I the tooth almost, the sort of al dente, an al dente mustard. From our friend, if it doesn't uh, break my tooth. Actually, I don't need it. Yeah. From our friend Jamie Plunkett, what would TCU athletics look like if you were if you two were in charge? Also, when are you going to become the bag man? We don't deserve it. Truly need. Uh, when I win the lottery. Okay, if, if I was in charge of TCU Athletics, Hugh Freeze would be waving his fourth consecutive Big 12 title banner this offseason. <laughs> yeah, I, I'd be pretty Hugh Freeze would have never made it to Liberty if I was in charge <laughs> of TCU Athletics. <laughs> Listen. Yeah, that's that's that pretty much sums it up. And if I, I couldn't have got a Hugh Freeze, Bobby Petrino would have done. No, just fine. listen, I'll I'll draw the line at Petrino. I to me, no, no, you don't dislike. Look, those no. are the same. No, they're Petrino not. just got caught worse. Correct, and I don't need the guy that's going to get caught. Well. The, the roads around Fayetteville are very hilly, and if you're inexperienced <laughs> on a motorcycle, in Texas, it's not a problem. The roads are flat, man. The roads are flat. Colin's actual question. I do want to hear what each of your favorite TCU athletes are and why. I'm assuming this is all time. Okay, wait, wait, wait. wait. I was going to say, bag, do, you have a, do you have an answer to what would TCU oh, look like if you were in charge? If I was yeah. in charge? I mean, I, I'd be heavier on the... on the. Um, I'd be quicker to fire people. Um and I don't feel guilty about that because they get buyouts, so I don't care. Um, I also think and it's, not, I, it's not our money. Money's no, not it's not our money. money. Yeah. I would also he- probably more heavily promote. Um, when well, okay, look, I'm I'm, I'm going to say this diplomatically, even though I, I really have no need to. I would be way more open 
and engaging with national media to come and do profiles on TCU athletes and coaches. I think TCU, um, for a large part of its existence, and this may be under Gary Patterson's influence and maybe Crystal Conte's influence, maybe though Natty will change it, I don't know. Um, but TCU has not been necessarily welcome to uh, big media profiles. There may have been two written about Gary in his entire 20-year tenure, and that's pretty much it. Go ahead, Parker, you're raising your hand. Okay, so that's Gary. Yes, um, no, I, I know. but And so it'll change under Sonny because Sonny has had some profiles written. But I, I, I do think that um, one, one serious thing I would have is like, look at all the businesses that are in Fort Worth and look at all the things they sponsor. I, I mean, every freshman football player that came to TCU would have a deal with Justin Boots where they would take yes. pictures in yes. Justin Boots and get thousands of dollars for taking those pictures in no, Justin for, Boots. Like, for I sure, think that but... TCU is absolutely not utilizing any of their market ability. And that's one thing that might be a benefit from Sonny Dykes is saying, hey, if you're a business in DFW and you want a high profile – Look, let's chat. Right. So, but here's the deal. So, Fort Worth is what the 13th or 14th largest city in the country. I mean, it's over a million people. I don't, I don't yeah. know where yeah. where it Something ranks. Like and I, I understand TCU has a student body of 9,000 undergrads or whatever it is. But being in the press room and in the four sevens team room and seeing 12 media people there is unacceptable. If yeah. if, if you're a Power Five college football program in the 12th largest city in the country, having 12 people there is ridiculous. So and having it, what, like four of them being students? Yeah. Like, four of them. Yeah. yeah no, and, and that's no offense to student journalists. Okay. Let me rephrase that. Just, having four of them being students and one of them being Mac fucking angle. Yeah. No. Yeah. It wasn't, he, who yeah, wasn't I'm there sorry. half the time for the record. Um, no, like I, I am, I am bringing in every media person possible to heavily promote TCU athletics. Um, the baseball stadium, Brandy Davidson's the uh, SID for baseball. She does a great job. But the press yeah. rooms there are like minuscule. They're the size of the room I'm recording in right now, which is like my second bedroom. Um, TCU baseball is yeah. a premier baseball program in the country. Like opening that up, anyway, I, I, I would heavily, heavily. And, and that's it's not even a criticism. I, I'm excited about it's that just, because I, I think that, that I, I, I think that. Um, Schlossnagel and Gary were driving a lot of inertia on that. Yep. And I think that JD has a lot of leeway now. And I'm excited to what to see what he does with the opportunity. Me too. I, I, I'm very excited to see what JD does with this. Um, our friend, uh, Team Rainer Love, moved to Pac-12 country a year ago. What team should I adopt for an after-dark rooting interest? So I, th- I thought okay, about one, this. Radar, Radar, Love has, Radar Love has extended the opportunity and we need to take him up. He said he would meet us in Seattle for a Washington game. That stadium's crazy. Oh, Grant, yes. We need to look at that, and we need to go hang out with our boy and 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 see a game out there. We'll sailgate uh, if necessary. Yeah, I have, I have no problem sitting on a boat. Um, yeah, I will. I'll wear purple and gold. I'll be a Washington yeah, fan. That's great. Like I will. I'll do the thing. Yeah. So my first thought was Utah, just because I love the fact that they're um, angry all the time, um, but they never really get it done. What I will say, this is a great time to hop on the USC bandwagon. This podcast is canceled. It's over. It's done. I think you can go lean full into being a total 
like, oh, like, you know, Pac-12 glory days, um, you know, Trojan glory, you know, uh, fight on, all that, you know, huge O.J. Simpson fan, you know, do whatever revisionist history type thing, and go straight into being a, like, massive, like, um, Heritage Hall homer. Okay, one, Lincoln Riley's heel turn is inspiring. I know. Like, That's that why I like it. That's incredible. what I'm saying. Incredible. That's what oh I'm saying. Oh my god! Yeah, I, I'm into that. Absolutely. That's the wrong answer. USC is the wrong answer. The correct answer is Oregon State. Oregon State was eighth in EPA per play on offense <laughs> last year, and they were 83rd in EPA per play on defense. If they can figure a little of the defense out, they are going to be the most annoying team in the Pac-12. They are absolutely worth your love and affection. Absolutely. Long live Jacquez Rogers. Uh, this is from Madoff Investment, who once sold me a fantastic cutting board. We already answered it. I just want to address it. Take on Gary Patterson working at Texas for $150,000 a year versus $6 million a year at TCU. We already said FU. And finally, Parker. In the words of Bu- in the words of Buzz Lightyear, you're a sad, strange little man. And you have my... Well, no. That's from uh, Woody talking to Buzz Lightyear. Maybe. Maybe? No, no, they're not in bus. Whatever you can say. And then finally, we'll close on this from uh, Max Power at Farron. The hell took you guys so long? I don't know, man. It's been a while. It's Buzz Lightyear. Hold on. It is Buzz Lightyear. Don't, don't. don't, I know it's Buzz. Yeah, it's it's under, it's in the gas station. You are a toy. And then he answers. He goes, you're a pliable plaything. And then Buzz goes, you're a sad, sad, strange little man. man. Get out of here, dude. have my pity? Um, The hell took you guys so long? I don't know. But we're back. Max, there's just supply chain issues in every industry right now. Come on, dude. <laughs> the ever-ready the ever getting stuck in the Suez really threw us back, and, uh, you know, we're just not recovering. Um, Parker, this has been the longest podcast episode I think we've ever recorded. Do you have anything else to, to address? Shout out to Scott Wildcat. Shout out to Jamie Plunkett. Shout out to Coach Melissa. Shout out to uh, BetUS College Football. Yeah. I don't have anything else there. Shout out to Colin Post. Uh, shout out to uh, TCU um, Tennis, fourth in the country. Shout out to TCU being a tennis school. Shout out to Coach uh, Rod- Roddy. Yeah. Yes. Shout out to Cam Norrie losing the first round of the Australian Open to Sebastian Corda. Shout out to whoever tweeted... Uh, that uh, Djokovic lost the Australian Open, but he only missed two shots. That was a good tweet. That was a really good tweet. <laughs> Parker, this has been the Purple Theory Podcast. You can find indeed. Parker on Twitter at Stats of War. Uh, Parker, is the Bet US show on hiatus? No. So we're uh, that, that's a great question, and I should answer this seriously. Um, we are done with our, our weekly stuff for the season. Um, and we are in the planning stages right now of kind of doing a how to bet kind of betting 101 love that um, course and we got some dude grant these amazing uh, uh, illustrations like they're not gonna show my face they're gonna show like these graphics. Just incredible graphics and really cool stuff and we're gonna talk about like when to bet during the week we're gonna talk about parlays we're gonna talk about like how to look at value expected value um, it, it's gonna it's gonna kind of coalesce all of my nerddom about teaching with all of my random college football degenerate stuff it's going to be so good so we're going to do like a series of kind of evergreen like not time sensitive uh, videos and do those this off season and then in the summer we'll start up previews again so yeah i'm pretty i'm pretty excited about that honestly love that man i'm happy uh i will be more active on twitter at grant mcgalliard uh after friday 
Um, now that you don't have to worry about parents on so Facebook. So here's the, yeah, listen, <laughs> you're an hour and 20 minutes into this podcast, so you deserve to hear. I got a new job, and uh, I don't have Little to time. keep up enough appearances as I did before. So I will be t- uh, issuing out more hot takes um, for those interested. So you can follow me on Grant, Twitter. You should Grant change your Twitter name to stat- to Statso Grant or Grant Award. I you might go back. <laughs> I don't like you that much. I might go back to at Dirty Bay Thirteen, which is my old uh, Ooh, Xbox username. Uh, but yeah, so I'll be more active there. And your and your Spotify username. That's I correct. Can, you, can, please follow please follow me on Spotify at Dirty Bay Thirteen. Uh, I think I mentioned to Parker the other day, uh, my most liked and listened to song in January was Midnight Swagger by the, uh, the Damn Quails, which I highly recommend. Um, I don't know when we'll be back. We're probably going to... Uh, Parker, let's make a deal live on air. You ready? Sometime in February, okay. we're, we're going to do a video breakdown of something. Whatever Yeah, it is. okay, so I, I need to figure out the uh, the logistics for that. But I think we can do something like Twitch. Yeah. And just watch some film and talk about it and have yeah. people like type comments in or something. I'm going to work on that. But like that's that's my goal for February. I, yeah. know, I know we talked about that in the year. And then did I Grant, have I said it out loud? I got COVID at the end of the year and it freaking kicked my ass. Yeah, like, you did say that. Yeah. And I was like, yep, I'm not doing anything during this time period. Yeah. So I, w- I would love to pull up like a random um, – game from smu last year and just kind of break down their their offense or maybe even a tulsa game and and do that so um i i think that's what we'll do i i don't really care about like recruiting or you know what i mean we'll we'll see those guys on campus but the so we'll we'll do some off-season content and then honestly we're gonna have like a real life spring game so we'll have to talk about how to cover that but a lot of fun i we I'm really should to... not plan this live on no that i, I think that's really fun for our listeners i uh I'll put my ear to the grindstone and contact my sources in the TCU sphere. It gets a spring game intel. Uh, maybe we'll have Colin. I'm just going to pay Colin it. twenty bucks to, to say to film we'll, 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 just, yeah. we'll just we'll just ask Colin to come on. He can sit on a booster seat and uh, hop on the microphone and um, <laughs> get on the podcast. Uh, Parker, this has been the Purple Theory Podcast. I can I say you. the worst thing in the world? We're going to get ahead. out of here at the second. Um, I, I, my, my wife was asking who Colin was, the stats of wife. And I said, Oh, she was like that guy that came and met us. And she said at the football game, cause, cause he came and met us at yeah. the football game one time. And she was like, Oh, which one? I was like, Oh, he's, he's like a little shorter. He's an undergrad. And she said, Oh, was he the braids guy or the no braids guy? And I was like, no, he's the shorter guy. And she goes, no, no, no. They were both short. Who is she? The braids guy, or the shorter guy. And, and Clint, Clint is a really nice guy. Clint Foster, a good friend of ours. And Colin met us at the same time. And Sam was like, these are just two people my husband knows from from the internet. They're both short. I don't know who they are. I, I would like to issue an apology to Colin Post and Clint Foster. I'm going to text Colin right after this and say, hey, man, like, nothing personal. We love both of them. Uh, Dude, this is at 127. I'm, Colin, I'm, Colin I'm Post is going to be go farther in journalism than I ever did, so this doesn't matter. Parker, this has been the Purple well, yeah, Theory you're Podcast. A bad journalist. All right, this has been the Purple Theory Go Podcast. Frogs. You can follow me on Twitter at StatsWord. We Parker already did that. Shut up. <laughs> Go Frogs. That was nice.